Obviously, I've told you, you know, those who are uh, familiar with my story, I've told you lots of bad stories about my upbringing. I want to tell, I want to tell you a good story today. Yeah. I want to tell you a good story. I, there, are, there are a few good memories, okay? There are a few good ones. And, and they all usually revolve around my mom, uh, who was just a, a victim of abuse, as, as, as I was. Now, my mother was a, was a smoker, and so the thing I would do, I would find ways to try to, to get her to quit smoking. So it, uh, there was, I would, used to carry around a water gun. And every time she would light up, I would squirt the cigarette out of her mouth or squirt her in the face and things like that. But we also had a parakeet named Petey. And somehow I got Petey to understand that he needed to come and take the cigarette out of my mother's mouth. So when she started to light up, I would let Petey out of his cage. And Petey would, sure enough, uh, swoop down and take the cigarette out of her mouth. Now, however, a lightest cigarette flying around the house is probably not a good thing. But it made it for a very entertaining moment when my mother started chasing Petey around the house. You know, so my, my mother was about this big. And, of course, Petey was up here, and so it was like something like this going on. Yeah. And, uh, but, it, you know, it, at least it was a pleasant memory this morning. Uh, you know, I got to lead my mom to the Lord on her deathbed. I guess I'm supposed to start. <laughs> On my mark, get set. Now I'm ready to go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, for, for laughing with us, for bringing joy to our heart, that we can just laugh because, why? because we're free. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So we pray for this moment, Father, that indeed you would empty me of me and you would come and fill me with yourself, with your, your presence, your love and your mercy, your kindness. Whatever I need this morning to be able to deliver your word, I ask for it. And I pray for all of our hearts that we would open them to receive more freedom, to understand what walking a blessed life is all about, which is being with you. So we need that this morning. We need to hear your voice. So I ask once again, Father, that you would come and that you will speak so that we can hear you and hear what's on your heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can start to turn to Matthew 5. I'll get there eventually. How many of you here today want to live a blessed life? John, raise your hand. Now you won't because I asked it. It's not a trick question. I think all of us want to live a blessed life. We pray for it. We certainly hope for it. We want our, our relationships to be blessed. We want our finances to be blessed. We want our health to be blessed. We, we want to walk in blessing. And yet when life interrupts, And we don't really feel blessed. Maybe we kind of result to this. Well, maybe maybe I didn't pray enough this week. Maybe I didn't read my Bible enough this week, so I, I'm I'm not I'm not blessed. Maybe God's upset with me, so I'm not blessed. Maybe I didn't tithe enough this past month. 
We put all these conditions on it, you know, not really understanding what being blessed is. Dumb it down a little bit to say, you know, oh, I got a new car, so I'm blessed. I got a new job, so I must be blessed. Got, I got my salary just, I got a raise. I must be blessed. Maybe we've taken a mission trip to a third world country and we come back here and we say, wow, man, it is blessed to live in the United States of America. It's a blessing to live here. And, the, and the, those are all positive things. But sometimes we attach, attach blessing to a prosperous idea. We, we attach it to some kind of upgrade in our lives. And the problem with, is, with that is what happens when those things disappear? When your health doesn't seem blessed. When the, your job is shaky and you lose it. Job lost all his blessings in one day. He was a righteous man. We can't attach blessings to those physical things. We can be grateful for, and we should be grateful for all those things. And they can certainly feel like a blessing. But this morning, I, I, was, I just kind of want to, since we're diving into this whole blessing, cursing thing, and that God is speaking, now obviously He's speaking. And he's bringing health, and he's, and he's bringing wholeness, and he's bringing freedom, and he wants more for us. And so we need to understand the whole gamut as much as we possibly can. Because this is a season of, of freedom for us, and we should embrace every opportunity that we get. But just because this morning you're walking through a difficult time, you're facing hardship, you're facing sickness, a disease, an illness, an injury, a job situation that's bleak doesn't mean you're living underneath a curse. It could be, but it doesn't mean that you are. Because you have a series of failures, it doesn't mean that you're living underneath a curse. It's something you should examine and, and, and ask God about and seek God for wisdom about, but it doesn't mean it. And just because everything is going right... Your job is great. You're getting raised after raise, week after week. You're getting new cars. They're just people are driving new cars into your driveway and just saying, "Here, have it." It, it doesn't mean you're blessed. Well, good because you know, now people are not driving Ford Mustangs into my driveway and just saying, "Here, take your pick." They're just not doing that. But if they did, it wouldn't mean that I was blessed. I'd be very grateful. Have you got an idea? Ford Mustang, when you drive it? I'd be very grateful, but I wouldn't necessarily think I was blessed. Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus lays it out so plainly for us what it means to walk, live, and breathe in the kingdom. He was so kind to, to just lay it out pretty plainly what it means to be blessed in his kingdom. And certainly the first part of, of Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, what we, we call the Beatitudes, are ex explicit in what it means to be blessed. And those are the scriptures i like to kind of take apart this morning, if you would. So turn to Matthew 5, if you haven't gotten there yet. 
I'm drinking coffee this morning because it's cold in here. Matthew 5, starting in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger, thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and and utter all evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In the chapter before, Jesus is lighting up the countryside. Everywhere he goes, he's drawing crowds. Everywhere he's going, he's healing everybody that he brought to him. Everybody. Jesus is becoming famous. Jesus, his name is being spread. People are hearing about him coming to a town and they're already gathering before he gets there. The disciples have just dropped everything to follow Jesus. And they're, I've got to be thinking, they're thinking things are great. Look in this. We've, we've decided to follow this guy who he says he's the Messiah. Look in the things he's, he's healing people. People are just like all over him. Everywhere we go, there's great crowds. This has got to be, this has got to be it. This has got to be the movement that we really signed up for. And Jesus sits down and he says all those words. I'm thinking if I'm one of the disciples, I'm saying, oh, Jesus, I think you missed something. Where is the scripture that says, Excuseth me, Lord? Where am I to be blessed and prosperous? It's not there. At least on face value. It's funny, there's a, over a hundred scripture references to, to walking a blessed life in the New Testament. And almost none of them have to do with prosperity. As we think it. As we think it. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Uh, That phrase, steadfast under trial, doesn't mean just one trial. It means a lifelong struggle. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. The Greek word that is throughout this, this, uh, the Beatitudes here is, it means multiple things, of course. It, it means to be happy. Uh, it means to be well off. But it really, the, con- the, the deep meaning of it is to be fully satisfied. Fully satisfied. The Greeks at that time thought Cyprus was the most blessed island to live on. It had 
it was great. You had fertile soil. You could grow anything over there. The, the climate was pleasant to be almost all year round. They thought some of the gods lived on Cyprus. So they would call Cyprus the happy place. This word, blessed. More, uh, let me see. Let me see if I can. Makaros. They would call it their happy place. Being blessed is more than being happy, right? It's much more than being happy. So I, I love the, the fact, though, that they had something in their mind that they would go to, to. They would go to their happy place. They wanted to go to the place where they knew they were going to be blessed or they thought they were going to be blessed. So I wonder this morning, where do we go when we want to be blessed? Where is our happy place? The place that we go to be fully satisfied. I think the Beatitudes tell us what those things are. The beauty of this thing, in the Hebrew, you got to read it like this in the Hebrew. This is the way Jesus read it. He would read it like this. We read it, as we just read it, blessed are. But Jesus would read it, oh, the blessedness of. It was a proclamation. All the blessedness of. So that's the way I'm going to read it now. And see how it changes. All the blessedness of the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word poor means to crouch down like you're begging. To crouch down like you're begging. It is a position of humility. A place, a, a position of humbleness. To be poor in spirit is to realize our great need of God. To humbly choose Him. To recognize our need of a Messiah. This blessing frees us to seek Him, follow Him, and to love Him. This is where our pride is defeated and we embrace the blessedness of humility. Luke 18, 14 says this, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exhausts themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. So a blessed life in this thing is, is to be humble, is to, to crouch like a beggar, not like I'm undeserving, but to to say that this is, this is how I approach God. This is my great need of Him. It may be before a toilet in the middle of the night. But it's a position of being humble, of saying, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to purge myself of this stuff. I'm going to humble myself before God because He loves me. Blessed is the poor of spirit. Blessed is the poor of spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All the blessedness of those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. All the blessedness of those who grieve and wail, for they will be comforted. Someone that comes alongside of you to be with you. Blessed are those who grieve and wail. Wait a minute. Am I... I'm blessed when I'm mourning. 
when I'm wailing, when I'm grieving, how is that possible? Well, if you think mourning is just about grief and pain and sorrow, it, it doesn't seem possible. But really, mourning is, is, is a deep emotional caring. You care about what you've lost. You care about the suffering of other people. You grieve for the things that grieve the heart of God. This is what this is talking about. It's talking about grieving, mourning the things that God mourns. The thing that makes God's heart ache. And who does He ache for? Us. The lost. The people that need to be in His kingdom. God aches for these people. He grieves that they walk away from Him, that they walk in sin, that they walk in disease, that they walk in captivity because He wants them to be free. So blessed are the people that mourn for the things that God mourns for, is what this is saying. The people that mourn, that understand that this is a deep emotional expression of God's heart. Blessed are the people that get a heart like God that mourns for the lost. That mourn for the downtrodden, for the, for the poor, for the people that need to hear the, the gospel good news. This is what this is talking about. Blessed is the heart that mourns. Second Corinthians 7, 11-12 says this, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. And I love this. Consider what godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves. What indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal, and what vindication. In every way you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. Godly sorrow, mourning, after the things that God mourns for, produces all those things. Listen to that list again. It's a powerful list. Earnestness, eagerness, indignation against what sin is and what sin does. What alarm. We're, we're, we're not hiding in the shadows. We're, we're, you know, this should alarm us. The state of the world should alarm us. Not to be fearful, but to do something. What longing. Longing for Him, of course. Longing for His righteousness to rule, His kingdom to come. What zeal, passion to serve Him. And what vindication what the blood has done. We are clean before God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Godly sorrow produces that in us when we ache for the things that God aches for. This is when mourning becomes a blessing. Oh, the blessedness of the meek, for they will inherit, possess the earth, land. A blessed life, again, is a surrendered life. It is not a position of weakness, but of humility. It takes strength to be humble. It takes strength to be humble. Meekness is a strength that's under control. Look at Jesus. Jesus was immovable, steadfast. And he was meek. 
He had strength that was under control. A meek spirit says this to Father God. Here's my life. I trust it. It's yours. I trust you with it. I don't have to strive for myself anymore. I, have to, I don't have to worry about myself anymore. I don't have to fight for my position. I trust you with it. It's all yours. That's how we get to possess the land. So there's, there's a future tense to these scriptures and there's a present day application as well. You, you recovered land the other night. Land that the enemy was trying to steal from you. No more. He said, no more. God is sovereign here and no one else. We can possess the land. We can possess the land. We are strength under control. Whose control? His control. The Holy Spirit's control. We're not worried about what we're, what we're going to get. We know He'll provide. Psalm 37, 11 says this, but the meek, the Hebrew word means lowly ones, lowly ones, they shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Delight themselves in abundant peace. Walking in meekness is walking in peace. You know, the older brother in the prodigal son story had this what about me feeling. You know, what, you know, what about me? What do I get out of this deal? My brother has ruined his inheritance. That's not going to happen to me. But what about me? Why don't I get a party? Why don't I get this? And Jesus, Jesus, God is saying to us, just like the Father said, that all I have is yours. You know, early in my Christian walk, I thought God owed me something for all the years of abuse. He owed me. He had to pay me back. He owed me big time. And had this spirit of entitlement to me. That when things, you know, the promises were, wait a minute, what about all these promises? Why aren't they coming true? What's up with that? It 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 was the attitude of the older brother in the prodigal son story. What about me? Well, what about me? What about me? When I fully understood in that story that the father was saying to the older, you've always been with me and all I have is yours. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Even through the years of abuse, I was always with him. And now all he has is mine. All the freedom that I want, it's mine. All the walking in power, it, guess what? It's, it's mine. And uh, it's yours. All he has is yours. All he has is yours. And we can delight ourselves in abundant Oh, the blessedness of those who hunger, who are famished, 
and thirst who suffer from lack of water. (laughs) After righteousness, the purity of life. For they will be filled, satisfied. And that word means not just satisfied, but to gorge yourself. To feast and feast and feast and feast and feast and feast. And feast some more. To gorge yourself. Oh, blessedness of those who are famished and suffer from thirst. For they will be satisfied in a never-ending feast. The Greek words obviously suggest a desperate, desperate state. The hunger, which means a deep longing and a craving for food to stay alive. And for a thirst that's so painful in order to satisfy to quench it. Psalm 42, 1-2 says this, As the deer pants for a flowing stream, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear for, before God? Did you hear the longing in that psalm? David is saying, I am so thirsty. As a deer that is just going days and days and days without water, and he finally finds a stream to take a drink of. That's how thirsty I am for you. And what this this beatitude is saying: Do we crave right living, a life filled with Him? Do we hunger as a starving man, as he would be starving for a meal? Do we thirst with a thirst of a man desperate for a drink of water? We are blessed. We are fully satisfied when we hunger for nothing but God Himself. That He is the thing that we are hungry for the most. Jesus said it this way in John 4.34. He says, Jesus, my food is to do the will of the One who sent me and finish His work. My food, the thing that feeds me, the thing that gives me strength, the, the very life essence is to do His will. That's what sustains me. That, that's what quenches my thirst. That's what fulfills my inner being is to be hungry, so hungry for Him that all I think about is doing His will. Oh, blessedness. For those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Psalm 107.9 says, For He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things. Good things. He is a good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. We are living a blessed life when God is the one who satisfies us. Oh, the blessedness of the merciful, for they shall be sown mercy. The Greek word for mercy means compassion. Mercy is about sacrificial love, the generous compassion that God loves us with. The Hebrew word for mercy talks about the mother's womb and the deep love for an unborn child. The deep love that you have for an unborn child. How that love grows and just takes over your thoughts. It takes, you know, your moms know this. It just takes over everything about you. And that's how the Hebrews express it, that, that, that mercy is 
like the way that you feel towards an unborn child. You, of course you love it. Of course you love that little one. How could you not? That's the kind of compassion that we're talking about here. The kind of mercy that we're talking about. Mercy is a demonstration of love that moves our heart to give what we have received. We have all received mercy. If we have all accepted Christ as our Messiah, we have received mercy and much more. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, The merciful man does himself good, but the cruel man does himself harm. We must give what we've been given. And it's good to do so. Living a blessed life is connecting with the merciful heart of God, which changes our heart to be like His. Oh, the blessedness of the pure in heart, for they will see God. Hmm. That word see here means to look intensely at, to continue to study. It means that we never take our eyes off of Him. It's not like we see God once and then we just move on and we're good. We're good to go. It means there's a constant looking at God the Father. Never taking our eyes off of Him. Constantly, intently, purposely, passionately looking at God. We can do that because He's made our hearts pure. He's enabled us to see Him. He's made, he's, that mercy has already freed us. His forgiveness has already freed us. So we can see God because we, we have a pure heart. He's made it clean through the blood of Jesus Christ. And not only can we see God, we now begin to see like God. To see the people as He sees people. It's getting new eyes. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and and to renew a right spirit within me. He blesses us with a clean heart, a pure heart. He renews our spirit, but helps us keep our eyes centered on Him. A blessed life is one that can see God clearly and doesn't take their eyes off of Him. Oh, the blessedness of the peacemakers, those who love peace, for they will be called the sons of God, children of God in this is one of my favorite parts of this, and those who know me know why. But here's this. Jesus is called what? The Prince of Peace. His whole life was marked by peace. He brought peace to us. Peace between us and the Father God because of his, the great gift of salvation. And so when we have received this wonderful gift of peace, and we become peacemakers like Jesus did. We become sons and daughters of the Most High, and we become ambassadors of peace to the world. Bringing them the gospel message, which is a message of peace. Peace between people and God. That their sins can be forgiven. That they can enter into the kingdom, and they can know God as Father, which is the beauty of it for me. What better peace is there to know God as Father? Blessed are the peacemakers, those who love peace. James 3.18 says it this way, And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Wow! 
plant seeds of peace and harvest righteousness. Only God could do that. Only God could do that. This is awesome stuff here. This is awesome sauce. It's great stuff. Living a blessed life is being reconciled to God and becoming peacemakers. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, the blessedness of those who are persecuted, those who suffer, those who are being pursued and hunted. Ever feel hunted? I have. All the blessings of those who have been persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All the blessings when people insult you to persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil. The word actually means hardships. Against you because of me. Rejoice. Wait a minute. What? Rejoice means to be full of cheer. And be glad. Wait a minute. But I'm being persecuted. People are lying about me. People are harassing me. They're, 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 there's just hardship after hardship. He says, rejoice, be full of cheer, and be glad, calmly happy, knowing that you're well off. Because great, because large. Large. The other sub-meaning of the word for blessedness in the Greek means to become large. Become bigger than what you are. Because large is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That word glad also there means jump for joy. Jump for joy. Jump for joy because you're being harassed for Jesus. You're being persecuted. You're being hunted. You feel like you're being hunted down. Be glad about it. Jump for joy because, you know what? The same thing happened to me and the prophets before you and many other souls before you. This is the blessed life. This is how Jesus says it. This Beatitudes... Oh, the blessedness of. It's blessed to be poor in spirit, to mourn, to be meek, to hunger, thirst, to be merciful, to be pure in heart, to be peacemakers, to be persecuted. Rejoice and be glad. Jump for joy, for your reward is in heaven. It's great in heaven, it's large in heaven. For they so persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're blessed. This is the same. You're fully satisfied. You're blessed. You're fully satisfied when no matter the lies, the mistreatments, the insults, you stand with Him, you stand for Him, and you stand because of 